Did you know that the first ever computer programmer, some 130 years before the birth of the internet, was in fact a woman? It's hotly debated, of course, by male historians who believe the chap she was working with at the time, the godfather of computers, Charles Babbage, actually came up with the first ever programming language. But frankly, who cares? She was right up there with him, essentially developing algorithms for the first ever computers in the world back in the 1840s when women should have been at home sewing dresses and writing letters. Ada Lovelace was her name. She had a voice and she knew how to use it. Because owning your voice isn't just about standing up trying to make the world hear you. It isn't about becoming a speaker or making videos or who shouts the loudest. Having a voice is about confidence. Confidence in your own abilities, opinions and values. Confidence that's sadly lacking in the female of the species. So in today's episode, we're going to explore the different ways that you can find and own your unique and awesome power, your voice. Wouldn't you love to build a business you can run from anywhere in the world, whether that be your kitchen table or a beach in Fiji? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Your Lifestyle Business, the show where I bring you into my life as a traveling entrepreneur and along with some of my awesome guests, give you tips and strategies for building your own freedom business. Welcome to the show. Let's make it happen. Hello there, how are you doing? Joe here and welcome to another episode of the Your Lifestyle Business podcast. Now, a vital element for building a lifestyle business is ensuring that you know and own your unique voice. But why is it that women in particular seem to have such a hard time finding their unique voice? Now, I have to say from the get-go, I am no behavioral psychologist. I am completely generalizing and none of my theories are backed by science. Wouldn't it be amazing if more nutrition and personal trainers and that said that on Instagram? Anyway, I digress. But (laughs) none of my theories are backed by science, but eat this. Um, Anyway, I would hazard a guess that more women than men are people pleasers. We love to be loved. As I said, I'm generalizing here before you say, no, I don't, no, I don't. But it's the nurturer in us. As women, we're born with an innate desire and the ability to take care of people. We don't want to go head to head with others. We want to build relationships. In fact, the other night I was watching a really good Robin Williams documentary. It was so lovely. Oh, I, I shed a, I was really emotional by the end of it. Anyway, he was obviously standing up doing his comedy and on one of his live shows he said something like I can't remember the exact verbiage but it was something like what if women ruled the world there'd never be any war just intense negotiations every 29 days which I thought oh that's very good very insightful Um, clearly delivered in a much funnier way than I just did it then but anyway very good so add to add to that years of societal norms being that the guy heads out and earns the crust while the women stays at home and rears the kiddiewinks, in the traditional order of things, it hasn't been necessary for us to have a voice. But although the world has changed very dramatically in the last 100 years, we still generally find it quite intimidating to stand up and be counted, to use and own our voice. And I think one of the things that really holds us back is that women in general are unable to fake it till we make it, which I have to say I think is a good thing. 
what holds us back actually is the fact that we think we should be able to fake it till we make it and I don't think we need to and I'll talk about that more as we go through the podcast. But the reason we can't fake it till we make it is because we need to feel validated before we'll take any huge risks. Because we need to feel validated before we'll take any huge risks or giant leaps of faith. Now, I get it. I am the poster girl for requiring validation, if only my own sometimes, before I feel I can stand up and share my opinion. For example, when I started my online business, I could and would not confidently talk about building a business until I had built a successful one myself. When I wasn't working, although I really wanted to start the book I'm writing for my daughter, I was mentally in the wrong place and so I was unable to write with conviction. It's hugely important to us that we prove to ourselves that we can do something before we're happy to go and tell the world we can do it. But even then, we may still hold ourselves back, suffering from the old imposter syndrome, which many men just seem to embrace so easily and which we, even the super successful ladies, struggle with on a daily basis. For example, in a book I read recently called The Confidence Code, two successful journalists and broadcasters, namely Katty Kay and Claire Shipman, speak to incredibly successful women across the spectrum, including Christina Lagarde, who's the head of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, who told them about how she and Angela Merkel... Yes, Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, so basically two of the most powerful women in the world, over-prepare for every single meeting they have. Because, and I quote, we assume somehow that we don't have the level of expertise to be able to grasp the whole thing, which of course is part of a confidence issue. So if two of the most influential women in the world suffer from confidence issues, then what hope is there for the rest of us? Well, good news. Good news. Lots, actually. Let me tell you why. Because we're not about to go out and try and run an entire country. (laughs) Or probably even our local community. For most of us, we're not in a life or death situation and are not forced to make decisions which could have massive ramifications for millions. So breathe, relax and thank the Lord you weren't born with aspirations quite that large. But what we can take away from these women is that they may suffer with the same self-doubts we all have, but they go and do it anyway. So, Here's some tips on how to alleviate that little negative voice in your head and step out into the world with confidence. Number one, err on the side of action. When in doubt, err on the side of action always. My partner is a huge inspiration to me and I always say to him, at least when you fail, you're going to fail falling forward. He's an action taker like none I've ever met. And yes, sometimes it blows up in his face, but more often than not, he either works or he learns a valuable lesson which propels him forward. We need to stop thinking about stuff and start doing it. I love Mark Manson. If you haven't read his blog, go and check out markmanson.net. I love his writing style. And in a recent blog post, or I don't think it was recent, actually a few years back, it was called The Feedback Loop from Hell. He describes something that happens to me almost daily. So let's say I set an ambitious goal that's going to mean I step out of my comfort zone and try something new. Here's the dialogue that might ensue inside of my mind. 
okay, so I'm definitely going to do this. This is going to be great. People are going to love it. But what if it doesn't work and I just end up looking like an ass? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's the whole point of getting out there, stepping out my comfort zone and going for it. Oh, maybe now's not the right time though. Maybe I need to just go and do X first before I do this to make sure that I can really do it. Oh, for goodness sakes, Joe, just do it. Oh no, I don't think I can do it. Oh my God, you're such a wusser. I hate you sometimes. Oh no, don't hate yourself. That's really super negative talk. Oh, crikey. Now I feel really bad that I'm talking negatively to myself. I wouldn't talk to others this way. No, you wouldn't. Shame on you. Oh my God. Someone get me a drink. (laughs) That is, you know, an element of what might be going through my brain on occasion (laughs) when I'm trying to step out of my comfort zone. It's not always like that. I must be honest with you. But you know what I mean when you start saying I want to go and do something and then you kind of think, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe it won't work. Oh, yeah, but I really want to because I think this could be a good step forward. Yeah, but what if I, you know, it's just a constant back and forth, back and forth. The trick is to make snap decisions and be prepared to fail. I tell my daughter every morning before school to get out there and fail at something because if she tries to fail, at least she's trying sounds a little bit odd but I heard it on an interview with Sarah Blakely the billionaire owner of Spanx apparently her dad used to say the same to her so I thought I'd try it (laughs) but it's true we have to be prepared to launch our blog to crickets or for someone to turn us down when we ask for an interview or receive criticism when we launch our video series we need to stop thinking about it stop worrying about what hasn't happened yet and just go and do it whatever it is what was that old analogy fear false False something appearing real. False expectations appearing real. So in other words, we worry about something before we do it and then we stop ourselves doing it even though we don't actually know what's going to happen. So here's something to help with this strategy. It's number two and I've called it think small. Yeah, you hear think big all the time. You rarely hear think small, right? There is nothing wrong with having grandiose visions of where you see yourself in the future. In fact, I encourage it. Dream big is another message I regularly share with my daughter, who, by the way, hates my life lessons, but we'll discuss that in another podcast. (laughs) You can imagine it, can't you? Me in the car with her, telling her all this stuff. She's like, oh, God, mom, really? Um, But when you're trying to get yourself to take action, break your big dreams down into small, manageable actions. How scary and prone to procrastination is the goal? For example, I will write and publish a book by the end of the year. Compared to, I just need to write 500 words today. Which, by the way, if you did every day, you'd have a decent sized book written in just over three months. Micro goals are your friend. It makes everything seem a little less scary and with each step moves you closer to your big dreams. And a byproduct of creating forward momentum, by the way, is confidence. With every step taken, you will feel more confident to take the next step and the next and so on. So think small, my friend. Break down those goals and just think of the small steps you need to take in order to reach the bigger goals. And to help you with this, number three is utilize beliefs that are helpful. Those pesky limiting belief systems that we carry around with us from our childhood, no doubt. The belief that no matter how hard you try, you're still probably not quite good enough. Indoctrinated by that sort of a math teacher who never gave, gave a grade over a B minus. Not even to John, who was clearly headed for rocket science status. 
the belief that you have nothing interesting to say. And who wants to listen to you anyway? Indoctrinated by mother, who never listened to a word you said when you got home from school. In fact, I can tell you a time when I sat in the kitchen and started to tell my mum about my day at school. And as I was talking, I suddenly thought, she's not listening to me. So I told her that some aliens had come down from Mars and had abducted us through the day and done a whole load of scientific experiments and then had brought us back to school in the afternoon. And do you know what she said? Oh, that's nice, dear. <laughs> so, so no wonder sometimes you probably think you've got nothing interesting to say and nobody's listening to you. <laughs> the belief that you're too old to learn anything new, indoctrinated by the fact that you're perimenopausal, can't seem to retain anything you read or focus on anything for longer than five minutes, get anxious every time you try and quite frankly, why am I bloody bothering anyway? It's all too hard. Woman in full-blown perimenopause here. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> but everything we feel, we have chosen to feel that way at some point. Other than the menopausal feelings. Just have to say that they are 100% uncontrollable hormones. It wasn't my fault I burned my house down in a fit of rage, officer. It was my hormones. <laughs> so... If we get to choose, then let's turn our belief systems on their head and believe in stuff that's helpful to us. For example, I like to believe I'm a good writer. Am I on a path to a Pulitzer Prize? Probably not. But is my content engaging, informative and entertaining? I like to think so. And if it's not, is that a helpful belief? My writing sucks. Does that help me or hinder me? Exactly. I like to think I'm quite good at presenting my information, that I'm personable and I make people smile. If you're currently banging your head against a pane of glass out of total boredom, then I apologise. But is that a helpful belief? I'm so boring, it's like plating fog listening to me. Help or hinder? You get the picture. What do you want to believe about yourself? Make a list and set these thoughts as your belief system. Choose to feel good about yourself. Why not? Why not? It's not arrogant or overconfident or whatever the hell you want to call it when you feel good about yourself, when you turn around and say, do you know what, actually, I'm pretty darn good at doing that. I'm a pretty darn good cook or I'm an awesome mum or I'm an amazing friend or I'm really good at web design or editing videos or doing podcasts or whatever it is that you're currently holding limiting beliefs about yourself what harm does it do to turn that on its head and say, you know what, actually, I'm pretty damn good at that. You don't have to go out to anybody else and tell them. You don't have to sit on a podcast and say, hey, I think I'm pretty damn good. <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> you just have to tell yourself because you want to believe in yourself. And that's going to give you more confidence. So this brings us to the next point, number four, which is be compassionate to yourself give yourself a break. Oh my gosh, I am my own worst enemy at totally attacking myself. I would never say to anyone else the things I sometimes say to myself. I mean, seriously, there are times it verges on mental abuse. Hormones, people, hormones. But why are we so mean to ourselves? We need to be nicer to ourselves. We need to love ourselves for who we are with all of our little foibles. I know this is easier said than done. And we are without a shadow of a doubt our own worst enemy most of the time. 
But a piece of advice I heard a little while ago was, when you're faced with an issue which would normally result in you tearing yourself apart, take a step back and talk to yourself as if you would your best friend. Talk to yourself as if you were talking to your child or your spouse or someone that you really wanted to encourage and support and that you loved with all of your heart. Ask yourself, if I were talking to my best friend right now, what would I actually say to them? What words would I use to encourage them and support them on their journey? Give that a try and then see what kind of difference that makes, not only to how you talk to yourself, but also the difference it then makes in your attitude to the task at hand and to your own self-confidence and self-worth overall. Because at the end of the day, my friend, if you don't like yourself, how can you expect anyone else to like you? So be nice to yourself. Okay, number five. Accept your emotions, change your behaviour. Following on from not giving yourself a hard time is also understanding that your emotions are your emotions. I know that the self-help gurus say that we need to learn to control our emotions, but I disagree. I don't think it's our emotions we need to control, it's our behaviours. Because, and I don't know if this is a female thing, but I'm not in control of my emotions most of the time. (laughs) I can be singing along to a song, did this the other day, especially at the moment where you are feeling pretty hormonal. I can be singing along to a song and the next thing you know, I'm crying my eyes out. No control whatsoever. I'm laughing because literally, oh my God, you're going to think I'm totally off my rocker if I admit this on this podcast, but I'm going to admit it. I'm driving down the road the other day in my car and I'm singing my heart out to John Farnham's You're the Voice, Try and Understand It, right? Pick an eyes and make it clearer. Showing my age now. And all of a sudden, I'm in tears. I mean, it's such a great song with great lyrics. And it's like, you know, I'm singing, Where are someone's daughter? Where are someone's son? However it goes. Anyway, I'm crying my eyes out. I'm literally going, Oh my God, it's such a lovely song. Um, So I'm just not in control of my emotions. I tell you what's happened to me in the last 13 years since having a child is that I can watch a sad film now and let's say there's a child involved and they die or something. I'm an absolute mess. I can't control that. I'm a total utter mess. And I don't remember being that emotional before I had my own kids. But different things affect us at different stages of our life. As an example, have you ever been in a situation where you've been so angry with something or someone you feel like you can't control your behaviour? Well, the anger you may not be able to control right then and there, but how you react to it, you are in control of. Our emotions are our emotions and we have little control over them. But I found in my life it's about creating a set of supporting behaviours so that when you feel certain emotions, you're actually able to almost step back from and observe how you feel rather than get caught up in the middle of your feelings. Going back to Mark Manson, who I'm loving to read, he calls this the difference between your thinking mind and your observing mind. So he says your thinking mind you're just not in control of, but the observing mind you can see, you know, the observing mind can see the thinking mind think, right? So for instance, if I said to you now, don't think about a pink elephant, It's the old one. You've heard it a million times. Don't think about a pink elephant. But it's true. How can you now not think? I start thinking of Fantasia. Anybody else start thinking of Fantasia? Anyway, don't think about a pink elephant. And the thing is, is you can't not think about it, but you can observe the fact that you're thinking about a pink elephant, right? So you kind of got these two different minds. Um, Now, 
I know that this is easier said than done. Another thing that's easier said than done, but it is possible with practice. So for example, let's just say some days you are just going to feel sad or a bit low. Perhaps life seems like it's not going the way you want it to go. You might be feeling a bit anxious. You might have things on your mind. Maybe you're just a bit tired. Basically precisely the way I felt yesterday. <laughs> but that's okay. Don't fight it. Don't start saying to yourself, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be sad. My life is great. I've got a good spouse. My kids are awesome. I'm super healthy. Things are good. I should be really happy. And then start killing yourself and beating yourself up because you don't feel happy. What's that going to achieve? Nothing. In fact, it's probably going to make you feel worse. So here's what to do instead. Accept the fact that at that moment, that's how you feel. Just accept it and tell yourself it's okay to feel like that. It's just how you feel right now. But the important part is don't allow the emotion to rule your day. Remember, your emotions and your behavior are two different things. So say to yourself, okay, look, I may feel a bit sad or a bit tired or a bit down, but you know what? I'm going to get on with that blog post. I'm going to, I'm going to get on with my website design. I'm going to contact that client I wanted to contact. It's about not letting yourself off the hook just because you feel a certain way. So how does this help with confidence? Because if you become the kind of person who does what needs to be done, despite how you feel, you're going to strengthen your mind immeasurably. It's what David Goggins, ex-Navy SEAL, now author and speaker, calls callousing the mind, getting on with what needs to be done even if you don't feel like it. When you adopt this mindset, you become a consistent action taker. You will find it easier to move out of your comfort zone and will quite simply get more done. You'll also be amazed at how much motivation you will feel when you start to act. The act of acting itself will motivate you to take more action. So don't fear your emotions, embrace them, accept them, observe them and move on. So number six, get a partner. Have you ever noticed how much braver you are when doing something with someone else? I know because I go traveling with my sister every year and we do things together that I probably just wouldn't do on my own. I just feel braver and more confident with her by my side and I'm fairly sure she feels the same way. One of the things that as women we are fabulous at, it's innate in our personality, is of course building relationships. So why try and tackle everything on your own? Get yourself a partner. Find someone you can work with. I'm sure you will then find that you'll do things and say things and record videos and write blog posts and record podcasts and do all sorts of things that you just wouldn't do on your own. By having that other person to act as a supporter, a soundboard and an equal partner in taking any flack you might receive, you're likely to take greater risks. So how do you find the perfect partner? Well, number one, list all the attributes of the ideal person you'd like to work with. You need to do some very deliberate action here. If you list all of the attributes, this is going to hone your focus and without getting all woo-woo, it's going to send a bit of a message out to the universe about the kind of person you're looking for. Here's what I think happens when you send a message out to the universe. It simply means you get more clarity on what it is you're looking for. So all of a sudden you start to, we, we, we only have a very defined sense of attention. So by getting very clear on something you want, all of a sudden you start to blank out stuff that's unimportant and focus on the things that are important. Your attention goes where your focus, oh, isn't that a saying from one of the big self-help gurus? Attention goes 
attention flows where focus goes, something like that. Anyway, um, I would have totally made that up if that wasn't already a thing. Anyway, so if you hone your focus, it's going to make sure that your attention is going in the right place. And then number two is to start letting people know you're looking. So talk to friends, post in groups and forums, tell people who you are, the business you're in, the type of person you're looking to work with. The more you get out there and ask for what you want, the more chance you have of getting it. And if you think that working with someone else will help you to take action, feel better about yourself and share the burden of fear, then do it. What have you got to lose? All right, number seven, say no. I want you to do something now that I am innately bad at. That is developing your no muscle. I don't know about you, but I am seriously bad at saying no. This is a major people pleaser problem. You don't want to let people down. You don't want people to think bad of you. You want to make sure that you're making people happy and making others feel good. So you say yes. Yes, I'll come out and do that thing with you. Yes, I'll help you with your website for free. Yes, I'll jump on a half an hour call with you and have a chat about your business, even though I'm absolutely up to my eyes in my own. Yes, I will do this. Yes, I will do that. It's a natural thing for us to want to help out and think that we're giving value. But what we're actually doing is using up precious time and resources that we could be using to build our own business. Now, if that sounds selfish, let me spell this out. The chances are if you're listening to this podcast and you're a member of my community, then you are building a business not just for profit, but also to have an impact. The more time you spend building a business and the more success you have, the greater impact you are going to have. So it is not selfish to say no and be precious with your time. This is also the same socially. Sometimes you will have to say no to friends or family. Now, I'm not saying become a total social hermit, but sometimes you have to weigh up what's more important. That dinner out on a Friday night with a friend who you're probably going to see on Saturday as well, or actually getting the blog site, blog post done or the website finished. So go and practice it right now. I'll bet there's something in your life this minute that needs a yes or a no from you. Try it. Say no. You don't have to offend anyone. You can say no without harshness or confrontation. But it's time to take back your power, my friend. And with each no comes more confidence. Think of it this way. Every time you say no to one thing, it means you're saying yes to something else that's more important. You're placing a greater value on you and your time. I've got my hand in the air and I'm pointing my finger as I do this. I'm a very visual podcaster. You're placing a greater value on you and your time. And the minute you start to value yourself more, the more your confidence will grow. Number eight, remove barriers to action. Do what you love and make it easy to love what you do. Quote by the one and only Joe Barnes. Do what you love and make it easy to love what you do. A quick story about this. Recently, I started swimming in the mornings. We're very lucky to have an adult swimming class at my daughter's school. Um, in fact, there's lots of activities for adults at her school, but I digress. The classes are for one hour, three times a week, and it's a pretty serious thing as there are lots of triathletes and athletes who take their swimming very seriously. Now, thankfully, there are also different teachers for different levels because I am in the non-athlete group. Non-athlete, I would just like to say, but still very challenging. We're still doing upwards of 1,500 metres a session per hour. But since starting, I've actually found that one hour three times a week is very, very challenging. And although I actually love the swimming part, after the class, by around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm 
dead. I'm absolutely dead to the world. I'm so exhausted I can't get anything else done. And sometimes it comes on way before two o'clock. You know, it could be 11 o'clock and I'm just like absolutely, completely dead on my feet. But then I thought to myself, well, just because everybody else goes for an hour three times a week doesn't mean I have to. So I changed my sessions to go for 30 minutes twice a week. And now I love it. I'm so looking forward to going swimming in the mornings, knowing that I'm going to get in that pool, have a really solid swim for 30 minutes, have a cuppa while waiting for hubby and then go home without being absolutely dead on the floor for the rest of the day. So I turned something that was inherently quite hard into something far easier to accomplish and that I can grow and improve upon as I go. Not only that, I now actually look forward to doing it. Hence, what, hence, do what you love and make it easy to love what you do. So what's holding you back from taking action at the moment? What are some barriers that you can remove to help alleviate the pain associated with taking the necessary action? For example, perhaps you want to make videos for your business, but the setup is a pain. Every time you make a video, you've got to get the position right, the lighting's good, the sound working, do your hair, do your makeup, and quite frankly, you're a bit scared of doing them anyway, so that all becomes a really good excuse not to do them. But what if you set it all up once so that you could literally just throw a switch, sit in front of the video recorder and record without having to go through the setup each time? This is what I recently did for my videos and it worked an absolute treat. So have a look around you at the necessary tasks that you know can drive your goals forward but which have barriers to action and ask yourself how you can remove those barriers and make taking action easy because action and forward momentum is the route to confidence. Number nine, believe in something bigger than yourself. I have a strong belief that micro brands and lifestyle entrepreneurs are the future. Without getting too deep, into politics and economy and all that kind of stuff. A little knowledge is a, is a dangerous thing, as my mother always used to say. Huge corporations and corrupt governments, in my opinion, have sucked the economy dry for too long and the only way out from under the increasing pay gaps and poverty the world over is for people to have more control over their own destiny. Everything I'm doing with my business is to help promote the idea that you are the master of your own destiny and that you have ultimate control over how you live your life. My vessel for doing so is entrepreneurship and building your own lifestyle business, giving you enough financial freedom to take full responsibility for your life. One of my ultimate goals is to work with women in developing countries who want to build their own small businesses, which in turn helps transform their own lives and the lives of their family and the local community. I have desires to see change in the world that's far bigger than myself. I'm not out just to make a quick buck so I can buy a nice big car or big house or whatever. In fact, I have no interest in that kind of stuff. It doesn't make me a saint, by the way. I just want to put that out there. I enjoy flying business class just like the next person. But I have goals that are bigger than just me. Therefore, when I speak, I'm speaking with a greater cause in mind, which gives me far more confidence to speak. Because it's not about me, it's about you. It's about the people that I'm serving and it's about the people that I want to help. The minute you start to take the focus away from yourself and put the focus on the person you're trying to serve is the minute you begin to find your confidence, knowing the message you're delivering is impacting others' lives. 
Find a meaning to your work that's bigger than you and you'll find it easier to speak and deliver your message knowing you're doing it for a greater purpose. And number 10, don't pretend to be who you're not. Be proud of who you are just as you are. Never pretend to be somebody you're not. It doesn't matter what stage of your journey you're at. Back in 2010, when I started my online business, I knew nothing. I immersed myself in Facebook fan pages and asked anyone who'd listen if they wanted to come along for the ride. I never pretended to know more than I did. I openly shared the fact that I was learning and was happy to share what I learned. I did the same recently. I have very little idea what I'm doing with a Shopify store. Sure, we've built a solid e-commerce business and I've dabbled with Shopify before, but I've never done print on demand or direct marketing to the store before. I openly admitted this in my video to my group, explained that I'd share stuff as I learned it, and one of my community members commented on how much they loved my transparency. This is something we as women are masters at. We don't have the same egos as men, and so we don't need to fake it till we make it. In fact, if you're out there trying to make something happen for your life, you've already made it. Success is about the journey, not the result. So if you're on a journey, having fun, doing what you want to be doing and impacting lives along the way, all power to you, girlfriend. Can't say that, can I? Girlfriend. <laughs> all power to you, girlfriend. Seth Godin says, I love Seth. Not that I know Seth. I love the way I just said that. I love Seth. Oh, just give him a quick call. Seth Godin says, authenticity is overrated. What he means by that is we need to be professional in our approach to work. He gives an example of, of not wanting an authentic doctor, for instance, wanting a professional doctor. Yeah. So I can't remember which podcast I heard it on, but he was basically saying, I don't want an authentic doctor who says, oh, do you know what? Today I'm not going to go and do knee surgery. I'm going to go fishing. I want a professional doctor who's always going to show up. And yes, we do need to be professional in that we need to be showing up. We need to be doing the work, being consistent, doing what we say we're going to do. But thankfully, none of us are performing heart surgery. So it's absolutely fine to put your hands in the air and say, I don't know sometimes. As long as you follow it up with a, I'll find out. In a business like ours, where in all likelihood we're turning passion into profit, it's so important for you to just be yourself. People will absolutely buy into you. You're not Coke or Nike or Apple where your product talks before you do. Your business is far more likely to be about you. So be proud to be you. Be proud to be different and be proud to be a woman because we're awesome just as we are. Rita Mae Brown is an American writer, activist and feminist and she said, the reward for conformity is that everyone else likes you except yourself. You will not please everyone, but to do so means fading into the background, a vanilla face in a vanilla world. So don't be afraid to stand out and stand up. As the lovely Marie Forleo always says, the world needs the gift that only you have. So in summary, action is the key to becoming confident and owning your voice, my friend. Every step in this episode leads you to finding ways to take more action. The more action we take, the more steps we move forward, the more validation we give ourselves, the more confident we feel. I have a quote written on the whiteboard above my desk. It says, the best influencers act 
before they talk. So get out there and take action, my friend. Make things happen. Believe in yourself and own your unique and wonderful voice in this world. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope that this episode has inspired you. If you'd like to come and have a chat with me about this, if you have any feedback and opinions, then the best place to do that is in our Facebook community. Just go to Facebook and type in your lifestyle business and come and join us. It's where the best conversations happen. And in the meantime, have an amazing week, live life on purpose, and as always, make it happen. See you again next week. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To join in the conversation, please head over to yourlifestylebusiness.com where you can find links to podcasts, show notes, and sign up to download my free ebook, How to Build a Business You Can Run, from anywhere in the world. Also, make sure you come and join our Facebook community. Just search for Your Lifestyle Business on Facebook and you'll soon be sharing ideas with like-minded entrepreneurs all on the same journey. Lastly, if you have a moment, please subscribe and quickly rate this podcast on iTunes. It takes a tenth of a second to hit the little stars and your rating will ensure it gets out to more people and impacts as many as possible with the message, make it happen. Thank you so much. See you next time.